I never seen something like that in my life. I never see a player like that being that young and being that, that good, you know? He's an anomaly. He's a LeBron James. He's an Alex Ovechkin. He's like that kind of player. Welcome to another episode of Digging In with J.P. and Sevia. I'm your host, as always, Nick Ashbourne. Today, our guest is Freddie Galvis, Blue Jays shortstop, recent uh, late-game hero, and a guy who had an enormous Iron, Iron Man streak broken, but has come back, and he's had an amazing start to the season with the Blue Jays. We're going to circle back on Freddie, but we got to start off talking about Vlad. It's basically the law at this point. If you're talking about Blue Jays, you got to talk about Vlad. And I've got a podcast rundown that we kind of go through loosely or tightly, depending on the episode. And all I've written here is Vladdy, first series, let's talk about it. Because I think that about sums it up. Vladdy is here, let's talk about it. JP, first impressions. Well, I mean, you're right. I think that you should start just putting them together and just say the Guerrero Blue Jays. Because I think that's, I mean, it goes hand in hand. I've never, ever, ever seen a person's debut a player's debut with that much hype around it i was at the stadium some people said that that was more more or less the amount of people that were there for the playoff game to from around like just all the media but this was just to watch a guy make his debut so i think that was pretty special i think that the energy you know me and ricky romero were talking about this he was there as well was it felt almost bigger than opening day and I don't know if you can you know feel that sentiment as well but for us it was like man the excitement around the stadium around inside the stadium around the guys it felt to me more exciting than an opening day felt because I think it was that that anxious like oh he's here we're excited to see what finally happens Um, but it was just to be there that day I thought was really really Fun and awesome and exciting, and I guess for the fans, I mean, this guy threw a ball into the. In, I don't know if you remember, he threw a ball, a foul ball. He threw it into the crowd, and he got a standing ovation. Oh, it was insane! Yeah, it was a, just a routine foul ball, and I think it was the second inning, and it was clearly foul, and he picked it up as a third baseman does, toss it in the crowd, and like you said, just raucous applause. Anything he did, any movement he made, huge applause. Yeah, no, it was it was special, and then on the baseball front. I mean, there's a lot of things. One, I think this guy, it's just in his DNA or his blood. He didn't seem like he was very excited. He he actually, I talked to him after the game, and he said really the only at-bat that he was nervous was that ninth inning at-bat because the crowd went crazy, and so the crowd got him going. And he actually, obviously, he tried the end. Of, he, he said he tried the end of the game, right? He wanted to hit a home run in that situation. I think I was saying it. I was like, goodness gracious, the way this game is going, it's looking like Vladdy's going to be the guy. Like, what kind of a better script could it have been if he would have hit a walk-off there? But, um, you know, he was able to hit that double and they ended up winning. But for me, there's a few things that I think that really stood out to me. Or one, his defense. I think people are finally going to get to see, like, because when you're a good player, they have to give you some kind of negative thing. And everyone tries to talk about his defense that he needs to work in. He's a really good defender and he's very athletic. So that's, I got people got to see that. The other thing was, not even his whatever he was doing. Uh, he got his hits or whatever. His takes for me were really really advanced takes. I mean, he was spitting on pitches. He looked under control. He didn't look jumpy at the ball, which means that he was under control. And then another thing for me that I got to see, that I think is the, probably going to be the thing that's not the most spoken about, but for me it was the most telling was that 3-0 base hit. 
because a 3-0 count, one, to get a green light for anybody is not that easy. Two, to have a 3-0 green light and be so under control that you don't swing out of your shoes and to hit a line drive back up the middle. I thought that was so, so advanced. And those are the little things that you can take away to go like, okay, this guy's special because a 3-0 count for anybody, they're usually coming out of their shoes and probably most of the time they don't get a lot of good stuff done with it. He was under control and he hit a base hit right back up the middle. And again, the only thing I hate is we've seen pinch run for a couple times and I'm like, I want to keep him in the game as much as possible. Yeah, there's a couple things that you touched on there I want to touch on as well. One of them is the pinch running. And the first game, I understand that. When you're talking about a double, one run wins the game, and it's no outs, and he had the idea of bunting across. Okay, we're playing for one run. I understand why Hansen over Guerrero might make sense in that spot. But when we're talking about the third game, he's got a one-out single. So you've got a guy on first base with one out. That's not a situation where you're that sure to score a run. You know what I mean? Like, there's no easy route to that run. So in terms of manufacturing it, which is why I thought that, and they ultimately didn't score that run. So I felt like that was a weird situation to take Vladdy out of the game. And ultimately his spot came up again in the 11th. They, they won the game, so that decision won't be questioned too much. But I really did not like it in that third game. And then the 3-0 count, that really stood out to me too. And I actually asked Charlie Montoyo about that after the game. Like, wow, like 3-0, you know, green light for a guy who's a rookie or whatever. And he said that he was just joking about it on the bench to guys like, oh, 3-0, green light. What does everyone think? And everyone's like, duh, like let him swing. And he's and he obviously gave it. And they were thinking it's going to be a home run. And, you know, a little single to center field is, a, is less dramatic. But that was a good piece of hitting. He got a pitch that he could handle outside corner. And he didn't try and do too much. He hit it sharply to center. And you're going to see a lot of that from Vlad, him going with the pitches that he's thrown. It's not always going to be those dramatic dingers. It's going to be the way he spreads the ball all over the field. He's going to be really hard for people to shift. It's the little things that stand out in that series because he didn't have the dramatic moment. He didn't have the huge dinger. He didn't bang one off the wall at 110 miles an hour or whatever. But the takes, like you said, there's a lot A lot of times they tried to throw him fastballs up and I think they thought that he would be eager and he would be seeing that as a juicy pitch that he wanted to go after. I was really impressed by how many fastballs up that he laid off of because that was a big part of Oakland's game plan for him. Yeah, no, they were, they were, it was crazy to see. They were kind of coming up and in, up and in, up and in. And again, I thought that he did a good job. There was even some pitches that they were called uh, that first game. He got a fastball that was off the plate away that they called a strike. And even the way he reacted to it, you could tell that he was upset, but he didn't didn't question it, was in the box, and was ready to go again. Those are the things for me that, that are very advanced for his age. And I don't know if that's just being able to watch his father. I don't know if it's just, again, if it's his DNA. But there's little things like that that made it really special to watch somebody so young have so much control about himself in the game and Listen, umpires are going to try with are going to try to mess with him because he's a phenom and that's what umpires do when you're a young player. It's stupid, but it it's going to happen. He's going to have to just kind of wear it a little bit. You know, I'm sure pitchers, pitchers don't want to be the first guy that give up the home run to to Vladdy. They don't want to be a part of the uh, the highlight of the hype hype train, so they're going to throw him up and in. They're going to try to make him make him uncomfortable. But it, I think he's a guy, again, he, he is so special to watch that he will be, 
I mean, he, that's the kind of stuff that won't phase him. And again, I agree with you. As a fan, this is me speaking from a fan, right? I'm I'm not part of the staff, and I'm not part of the. You know, they might just say, "Hey, this is what you know." We're playing our our probabilities, right? Guy on first base, we're gonna put somebody faster. It's just the probability of the game, blah blah blah, whatever it is. I don't want to see him come out of that game. And I really don't want to see him come out of the game if he's on second base because if the game goes directions, I want to see that guy. I want the best player on the field because you can argue with me, but I think now he's the best player on the on that field. And I want the best player on that field, on the field at all times. And if we're going in the extra innings and his at-bat comes up again and he's that kind of game-changing player, I want him on the field. And I still think he's fast enough. So, I, I mean, you see him run. He can run well. So I don't, I don't know. Again, this, this is that's a, you have to be a part of the staff to know what they're doing. But he's just a guy that I think you want to see him play defense. You want to see him walk out on deck. It, he just has that that aura of him. He's that special kind of guy that I think fans will draw to because if I'm sure some fans, as soon as he came out of the game, stopped watching the game. Yeah, and I think our producer Zubes made a good point when I was talking to him today about it. And one thing that stands out about Vladdy is that he's so obviously recognizable. There's nobody like him. The way he looks, his huge stature, the blonde dreads, that kind of stuff. When you see him, you can see him from a mile away and you're like, that's Vladdy. And I think that that really adds to the mystique of all of it. Like, you know, other stars in the game, take Bryce Harper. He's a really recognizable star, but what is he really but like a six-foot-one dude who's in good shape and has a beard? You know what I mean? Like, you see people who look like Bryce Harper walking down the street. Vlad Grow Jr. is this, you know, we, we use the words phenom in terms of his skills, but he's he's a phenomenon as a person in terms of us not seeing a figure like him in a more, in a literal sense, but again, because he's so comfortable, he does have this aura to him. And I thought um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the batting practice because that was interesting to me. It was just the weirdest batting practice you're going to see where however many media people are there, like close to 100, are just cra- they're fighting for space so that they can s- just see this guy hit. And the first three pitches, he bunts all of them, which is like it's part of the routine, but I think it's also got to be a joke in that perspective. And so everyone, there's like gasps. There's people in the, in the stands. Like sometimes the diehards come out to watch batting practice. I used to do that a lot when I was a kid, but you know, it's a few odd people. This time there were, you know, there are people in the stands or people in the second deck of like left field, hoping to catch home run balls. He was hitting in batting practice. It was a whole different thing. And I mean, JP, you've been part of thousands of batting practices. I'm sure there's nothing even remotely like it that you've seen. No, I, again, there was a the security was making people stay six like there was security. Yeah, security actually saying, had a job to do. Normally, security yeah. is like that's a pretty easy job in yeah. case there's maybe a streaker. But like even then, eh. But this time the security dude and he's a good dude, but he actually had a job to do. Yeah, he they didn't want people closer than six feet to the batting cage, which I've never seen even that ever. But again, every time he swung the bat, it was something that was special. It almost felt like. You know, in the game where as soon as he hit the ball, everybody was going crazy. That that whole, you know, when is he going to hit his first home run? It was even like that in BP. I mean, he was he was hitting the ball, and you could tell. I could tell he was trying to hit home runs in BP. He was, you know, listen, you're juiced up. It's your first time in the big leagues. You're going to try to put on a show because he was hooking balls. He was hooking balls, and they were like low line drives. And then he start. Then he got one, and he hit 
one into that second deck. He went hit one off that George Bell sign, and then you know, then it became like an absolute. Like I feel like people would pay if you were gonna say, "Hey, let's put Vladdy Guerrero Jr. in the home run derby." Like people would go nuts that he would be in the home run derby. Even fans that are not Blue Jay fans, just because of you hear the folklore of how much power this guy, right? So I think people were there for that to see. It, I mean, honestly, it's crazy, man. But it's like a larger than life figure of like, I mean, just the way that people were like looking at him and watching him, and oh, he, everything he did in batting practice was was a spectacle. He got, he got done with batting practice and he walked over there to talk to his grandmother. There was 50 people around. I'm going, I'm, I, I, I honestly thought he was giving an interview. I was like, what the heck's going on over there? No, they were just, just him over. chilling with grandma. That was it. No, yeah. I, I saw that too. It was just the way the people converged. It was, it was insane. It was ridiculous. And I imagine, you know, obviously this is going to die down soon and once he gets going. But I, for me, I think everywhere he goes, at least his first road trip, everywhere he goes, He's going to have more people come out to the game just because they want to see him. I'm sh- it was the Mike Trout effect, Bryce Harper. That's what Vladdy's going to do. And it's not going to just be, you know, Blue Jay fans. It's going to be a baseball fans in general, which I think is a phenomenal thing. And I think, again, for Vladdy to come up, I mean, the timing was, I thought, was done well. The team had the day off. There was like a little bit of a, there, there wasn't much electricity around the team. And then, boom. And then, I mean, it was like, all right, everybody's looking in at the Blue Jays again. So, and I this is just the beginning of the wave because I'm sure, you know, Bo Bichette, whenever he gets healthy, yeah, he's going to be coming up. It's going to be the Kevin Biggio, and they're not going to have quite the same entrance, I'm sure, as, as the following. But this is what Blue Jay fans have to get to look forward to because here this season – I mean, you you take it for what it's worth. It's going to be fun to be a fan in the sense of now you get to watch these kids grow for the next six years. There's two things I wanted to point out about the whole spectacle before we move on to Vladdy, to Freddie, who, you know, to be honest, we will ask about Vladdy. So don't wor- don't tune out like uh, like you might have done if Vladdy got removed from the game for Alan Hansen. There will be more Vladdy content. But two things I wanted to point out. One was that he's been really good with this, and there is a bit of a language barrier, which makes it more difficult for him to connect with fans sometimes. But he was really gracious in terms of signing balls and interacting with fans, which not not a lot of guys are sometimes. And I saw a clip of him, like someone gave them their his ba- their baby yeah, for him baby, to hold. Yeah, I saw that. He had a picture with him and the baby, and he just he seemed to really enjoy and do a good job of that fan-player interaction, which not everyone does, and I think he deserves some credit for that. And the other thing was just the batting practice itself. Like you said at the beginning, he was you know kind of spraying line drives, nothing special. Once he got going, just the ball off his bat is, you know, it's something else. Like he was going with Telez, and Telez is a big man with a lot of power who is a stat-cast darling. Like he's one of the guys who hits the ball harder than anyone else in the league. And the home runs off Telez's bat were, they were good, but they were, you know, it just, it felt like they were big looping rainbows compared to these just lasers that Vladdy was hitting. Like Vladdy, when he hits on these home runs, it felt like there was no gravitational pull on this earth. Like there was just nothing that was going to bring the ball down. A couple of them, I don't know what the stack cast on them would have been, but the lasers he I think hit I saw, were... I think I saw one was 115 miles an hour and that was in batting practice. Yeah, it was very... Uh, it was reminiscent of the times when people were marveling over Aaron Judge when he first came up. It was at least, at least at that level. Yeah, well, and, 
again, that's where, you know, people ask like, man, how do you, you know, players, all this stuff, how do you have so much power or how do you get, you know, how can you get more power? I, I hate to kind of say this, you can do little things, but like there's no amount of push-ups or, you know, weights or whatever you can do to have the power that somebody like Vladdy has, dude, that is just a gift. That is a God-given gift. And I mean, again, that's why he's, that's why he's considered the number one prospect in all of baseball. Right. And again, it's just, there's anomalies. He's an anomaly. He's a guy, he's a LeBron James. He's an Alex Ovechkin. He's like that kind of player. And I know people, I mean, I even heard some old school like players in the big leagues, like give it a break. He's, it's, he hasn't even done anything in the big leagues. Like, dude, wait for it. Wreck it. Yeah, I'm just like recognize when it's one of these special players. Like, stop being the the oh the the young guys are getting too much. Uh, you know they're getting too much credit. No, like recognize when somebody this special is coming up, and enjoy it because that's something for me. Now that I'm a fan and and I cover baseball, it's fun for me to go. Wow, this is a special player. Because this is such a hard game. And it is really a hard game. And when you see guys like that be so special that they just, dude, they, he just dummied the minor leagues. Like it wasn't like, oh, you know, he did good. No, he dummied the minor leagues. And even the minor leagues are very, very hard. So it's fun to go and you see this guy and he's worth the price of admission, man. And again, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch this guy's career. And I'm thankful that it's with the Blue Jays because we'll get to watch him very closely for a long time and he'll be here for another extra year in his prime because of what they did on holding him back yeah and as you said it's a hard game and that's something that Brandon Drury said about him he makes this game look easy and I think that's the refrain you're going to hear again and again and again and he does he's got you know I don't know exactly whose comps are going to line up but it's like he has the raw strength of Chris Davis in his prime and he's got the bat speed of like Jose Bautista in his prime it's ridiculous he's got both of those elements that make the power insane, and uh, if and, and he and he walks more than he struck out through the minor leagues. Oh, which the approach is, is really listen, good. So if you think that's going to happen, the big leagues, who knows? But dude, that's not only does he have like the thunder and the lightning, you know, he also has the patience, which is that's for me another thing is like, dude, what makes him special is this guy is going to take his walks, and he he's going to be an on-base percentage, like, he will be Mike Trout minus the strikeouts in a sense without the stolen bases, but if you put it together, I mean, Mike Trout is MVP. He strikes out 200 times a year. Yeah, he walks a ton, but Vlad's not going to have those strikeout numbers. He's going to have the same amount of walks, and I I mean, he can put up the same power numbers and probably a better average. Yeah, well, that's a, any Mike Trout comp's a big comp. I don't know if I can follow you there, especially Mike Trout. Shout out, really been bringing up his contact rate this year. He's a beauty, one of one. But to use the the, the very famous JP one of one, I'll put Trout on a one of one. That doesn't mean that Vladdy is not worth the price of admission. If you guys haven't seen him yet, you should uh, buy tickets for the next homestand because it is you know it's a whole different ball game when he's in it. So yeah, do it. Now watch him. we're going to be joined by uh, Blue Jays shortstop Freddie Galvis off to an outstanding start to the year and also a recent extra innings hero. Uh, what's funny is I got to play against Freddie 
uh, when he was a 17-year-old in short season A ball. So we go way back. I got to play against him and, and uh, been around to watch him play in the big leagues for some, some time. But obviously, this is your first year uh, with Toronto, and you've been to the city before. But what are your thoughts so far on the city of Toronto and the organization of the Blue Jays? I mean, everything so far has been good, man. Uh, I really like the city. Uh, the family, the, my family, they love the city. And, uh, you know, the organization, uh, we have a lot of new coaches, uh, a lot of young prospects. And there is, like, people who want to win. And that's uh, that's really good, you know. So, uh, so far, everything has been good. I really like the teammates, the front office, and all the people. So, I, I feel like, really comfortable. You came into the league at 22 years old, and you had, I'm sure you had guys you got to look up to, and what I think is funny is you're still young. You're only 29 years old. You've played in the big leagues for eight years, but how have you enjoyed now, you know, helping the next guys, helping these young guys, paying it forward? How how fun has it been for you to be able to be in that position as well? Uh, for me, I really I really enjoyed that because, uh, like I just say, when I get to the big leagues, I have a lot of, a lot of older guys like helping me and and just showing me the way to to be a a, a good player and then uh, most of the young guys they have a lot of ability to play baseball but sometimes it's hard to 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 make the adjustment like mentally and I think for me it's like I really like it used to do you know try to help those guys to to get used to to the league uh, the faster they can and uh, I think. Uh, because they have the ability, if you put your mental, mental stuff like uh, right away, I think they're gonna be like much better players in a in a short period. And uh, I think uh, I really enjoy that, and I love to see uh, young players become a, a stars. Freddie, I'm gonna have to apologize in advance, but it seems like every time we talk to a Blue Jays player nowadays, we've got to ask them about uh, how they feel about the emergence of Vladdy Jr. I'm going to have to do that to you. What are your impressions of Vladdy so far, and what's your relationship <laughs> with him being uh, in the first couple of months of you knowing him? Uh, I think, I think Vladdy, Vladdy Jr. is a special kid uh, because he's a kid who grew up in the big leagues. Like, I don't know, since he was like one year old, he always was in the big leagues, you know, so he know. Everything about about how 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 do stuff in the big leagues, you know, how prepare himself to the game. But the more important thing is like he have the ability to play baseball. He's like really really good player. So when you have the ability to play baseball and you you know how to to do almost everything because your dad told you all your life and you put everything together, that's why you become a, a star and that's why Vladdy is such a good player because he know everything he, he have the ability he have to still learning and he want to still learning but so far i mean uh it's a special talent it's something i i don't see like i never see something like that in my life i never see a player like that being that young and being that that good you know and uh like i said before i think uh, he's a special player and he's gonna become a, a really 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 good player and the only thing he has to do is keep working and keep playing baseball, and that's it. Friday, you recently had a really uh, long Ironman streak. I know in spring training, you and Monteau talked about it, and the understanding was that it you know, probably wasn't going to keep going for long. But then 
it turned out that Montoya really was getting you into every game, and then you had this unfortunate leg issue. So I was wondering what it was like for you to have that come to an end. And uh, earlier last week, what was it like to watch games from the bench for the first time in a long time? It was crazy, man. I think uh, when I came to Toronto, like you say, we talk about that. We talk about that. It's been training. Just like maybe take Sunday off and... and I know I, I gonna uh, my street is gonna was about to be done like in so at some point, but I was thinking it wasn't that way, you know. And uh, when I when I feel I feel that little cramp in my leg, I was like maybe I can play through, you know, because I play a lot of true stuff. Uh, but the day the day I decide I cannot play that day was like a really sad moment for me. Because it was the was the first time like in three years where my my body just told me like uh, can't do anymore that day you know so I just went straight to the uh, training room and tell uh, Nikki tell her like I I cannot play today so that day was like really really sad for me because I know all the hard work I always put every single day to be on the field I always like to play. But it is what it is. I mean, uh, I have to take it like a man and just like try to get bad and try to uh, keep helping the team now. Well, I thought it was funny yesterday. I'm watching the game and I, you know, you're coming off, you hit a double. Now you're at second base. Is there is there anything that's going through your mind that's going like, oh crap, base hit right here? And which I saw that secondary lead, which I was like, yes, this is great. But then, I mean, what was going through your mind at that time? Uh, soon I get to second base, I was hoping like uh, nobody hit a single to center field because you know Laureano was there and he has a really good arm, so I have to put everything. I was hoping Smokey can put the ball in the gap and just like go to the home play, or maybe he can hit a homer, you know. But I was trying to just to get a big league and uh, uh, try to take advantage in that and just like try to do my best to the home play, and so. Uh, soon I see the land drive to the left field. Uh, my mind was going like 100%, but my body, I think, was going like 80% or something like that. Because, you know, sometimes it's coming from the from the injury like that. Sometimes you like kind of scared to run a little bit. So that's what I feel yesterday. But, I mean, thank God, you know, I get to the home play and we got the W. Freddie, a lot of the writers like me, we sit with Charlie Montoyo basically every day before the game. And it seems like, for whatever reason, every day he finds a way to bring up the fact that he loves, like, I, the phrase, I love Freddie Galvis, has got to be in my recorder in, like, 10 different ways at 10 different times. So I was wondering what the relationship between you and Montoya is, because it seems like he's really become enamored with your work ethic and what you've provided for the team. I mean, it's been really good, man, since uh, since uh, he signed with the team, uh, he called me and we would talk and he just uh once you let me know he has my back and he always gonna be that way and for me it's gonna be the same way i think he he tried to help me every single time he always asked me like how i feel and all that kind of stuff and uh he always worried about me and for me uh i give my 100 percent every single time i give my 100 percent for the team and i give uh everything you know for him so i think uh we've been really good so far man uh he's, he's a really good guy and a really good manager Freddie, we like to talk a lot about baseball, but I like to switch it up every once in a while too. And for me, obviously, 
the dreads is something that I'm sure people uh, are are interested in. What made you want to do the dreads? How long did it take you? How long have you had it? But because I mean, when I played against you and played with you, you didn't have them yet. So what what was that about? Uh, I always wanted to have like a long hair since I was like little kid, you know. And uh, I watched uh, some cartoons and uh, they have like a long hair. And the cartoon was about, uh, I don't remember the name right now, it was about this guy was surfing every single time, he's skating, all that kind of stuff. And he has dreads. So uh, since then, I was like, oh, wow, I really want to get dreads. But I was a little afraid to. And then uh, in 2015, I just decided to go for it. And I just let it grow. And that's it. Since then, uh, I don't cut it. And the last time I cut my hair was in, uh, I think, October 2015, something like that. So I have like three, four years with my hair like this. And uh, I don't know when I'm going to cut it because I really like it. Like JP said, we want to touch on things off the field. So I thought I'd ask you what your impressions of Toronto, the city, is so far. I know that often when you get in the grind, the day-to-day of baseball, it's hard to find time to explore. But I know you've had a couple off days now. I'm wondering what you've seen, what you've liked, and uh, if there's anything that stood out to you. Uh, I think... I think the people in the city, man. I think the people, the people is like really nice. It's... Uh, it's uh it's really good to go outside and you know you always find friendly people and uh you have everything i mean the, the weather was really good i really like uh, cold weather <laughs> i don't not for play but used to be outside i really like it and i just go around walk a little bit with the family actually my family right now and the, uh, they are in the aquarium right now so they love it too the girls love it and uh it's, it's just a friendly people, and it's, it's really nice. That's what I like. And, uh, I mean, like I said before, uh, uh, I think I'm going to have more time to to get to know the city. And uh, both so far, I really enjoy it. If you like cold weather, you're in the right place, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that cold weather stuff. You got that 305, man. You're you're in the in the warm weather. But, hey, last one, Freddie. And, and honestly, thank you for, for coming on. For me, again, this is this is one of the the fun times in the game, and for people in uh, right now in Major League Baseball, I want to know the difference between what you guys feel like because people outside all of a sudden are like, you know, bat flip, blah, 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 all these old guys, oh what the heck, this that, and and we can all speculate, but the people that really matter about doing the stuff in the game is the people that are playing it, and so. What do you guys feel? What do you What do you feel about you know these different bat flips and all these like? Do you care about it? Do you Do you want it to? Do you like it? Like, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I think this that's that's like kind of a hard topic, you know, because some players they they still having a old school mentality, and some guys they don't like it. But we have the new school kids like uh, doing doing bat flips and stuff. Uh, the only thing is like they're gonna do it. They don't have to like get mad if they get they get a strike out and somebody start yelling at those guys. You know, as long as like, you don't you don't disrespect the other team, I think everything should be good. I think you can enjoy your your homers or or some some stuff like that. But I think you have to respect the opponent. You have to respect the the, the other team and the other city too. I mean, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of thing. Uh, uh, in game and for me 
you know, I play a lot of years in winter ball and, and I have, I see those kind of stuff like almost every day in, uh, in winter ball. But after that, I see a lot of fights too. So I think uh, that's something like people don't want to see. I mean, if you go with your kids to the stadium, you don't want to feel, you don't want to see a lot of players fighting, you know? So I think uh, sometimes you have to show a little bit of respect. Uh, I don't going to say I like it or I don't like it. I can say like, Maybe whatever people or whatever guy who, who do it uh, have to know, like maybe something can happen after. So for me, if they do it, they, they do it, but they have to respect the, 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 the other team too. And uh, you have in mind if you do something, maybe it's going to, somebody's going to hit you or something like that. So I prefer to stay on the line and don't do too much and just try to respect the game. That's it. Yeah, well, thank you again for coming on. I've liked, I enjoy your home run as soon as you. I know when you get it because you put your head down and you just run. So <laughs> keep 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 doing it and uh, just stay healthy. And and I'm excited that I get to watch you for all these games. So all right, thank success. you, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot, Freddie. Thank you. All right, Freddie Galvis, and he gave us a perfect perfect segue for the next part of the show because last week we started talking about Tim Anderson. I could tell there's more there. Uh, you know, there were some time constraints. There were some logistical issues. So I wanted to give a chance to circle back. And there is new Tim Anderson bat-flipping news that happened in the interim. So that's an even better excuse to talk about it. I thought I'd start, JP, by reading you this quote. This is James Fagan of The Athletic Chicago. Tim Anderson said this to him. I don't know the old school rules. I guess those are the rules when those guys played, but they're not playing anymore. So I think we're going to switch it up a little bit. And, uh, I mean, those words are pretty well in line with his actions, that's for sure. Um, And I just wanted to get you to revisit those words, and we've seen him since hit a huge uh, home run with a big bat flip. That was a more, quote-unquote, meaningful home run that had an effect on an outcome. I know that that's a big difference as far as you're concerned. I've said it last episode on the record, I like where Tim Anderson is going with it. The whole suspension thing was ridiculous. That's kind of a separate issue. But I think that generally he channels his energy at his own team and making it about his own accomplishment. And as long as a guy's doing that, uh, I think I'm on board. Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, I agree with you. The suspension I thought was was brutal. I was not a fan of the suspension, but I was not a fan of the third inning uh, or fourth inning, whatever it was throwing the bat across the catcher's face and celebration. I thought that was brutal, and that's why he got hit, and it is what it is. I think, you know, like Freddie said, if you're going to do something, just understand that there's repercussions. So you get hit, just go to first base. Now, that being said, you hit a walk-off, dude? I'm telling you, I don't have flip the bat to the freaking stands if you want. I don't care. If you hit that much of a meaningful home run, it is – unbelievable because that is a special I played this game for a while I never hit a walk-off home run there's a lot of people that never have opportunities to do it but dude throw it to wherever you want but again it's just Freddie hit it on the head right Freddie has been in the game for a while he he said it too dude have you ever watched Winter League Baseball Winter League Baseball these people it's the craziest in the sense of how they celebrate people are bat flipping it's almost like they're running to their dugout before they hit first base it's so crazy But there are a lot of fights because it makes people upset, okay? So he has a point. 
If you're going to do that, expect more fights, expect more things. The people are not going to enjoy it. But I have no problem with what he said either. I do think that you can't worry about what these other people do are doing or what they th- they feel like, these older guys. Just like the same way when I was a guy that was already getting into the league, I didn't care to do all the stupid things that they did to rookies. Like, yeah, it's it's different times, man. I, I didn't care to do all this crap and, and these hazings. I, it just wasn't cool to me. So times change. And again, I like that he doesn't. he's not worried about other people and what they have to, to think because that's what makes him a great player. But not everybody thinks the same and not everyone's going to react the same. So again, for for what him, how he works, great. But what works for him may not work for other people. And if a pitcher doesn't think in the same mind frame, then there's going to be issues. The, the thing for me is that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. You might think that that's disrespectful. And I understand that mindset, that flipping a bat like that, whatever, third inning home run, that's disrespectful to me. This is from the pitcher's mindset. But the punishment for that is throwing at a guy, and throwing at a guy can be really dangerous, and it's almost a violent act. So doing that in response to something that is somewhat you know, disrespectful, let's say, if we agree that it is, and I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case, but let's say even if we agree that it is disrespectful, if your response to disrespect is violence, then I think it's pretty clear that you're the one who's in the wrong. Because someone is going to get hit on one of these bat flip situations, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt them. It's going to hurt them. And I, that hasn't happened in a very obvious way that I can think of in the past, but I can imagine it I don't, happening. I don't, agree. I don't agree with you that it's going to hurt somebody, because if, if they, you do it right and you hit somebody how you're supposed to, which is he got hit in the butt, yeah, everyone, yeah of course, that's back. what you're supposed to do. But we know that pitchers aren't perfect. It's easy for a hand to slip. It's easy for, you know, guys sometimes they're throwing to pitchers. It's a 3-0 count. All you have to do is put it in the middle of the plate and they can't do it. Oh, I know. But here's another p- part of that equation is, you know what's changed since back in the days too when, you, when people used to not just hit people? The double play. The play at the plate. That made a difference. It does make a difference. Sometimes stuff like that happens. He's a shortstop. What it, instead of hitting him, a guy's going to come in and take him out hard. Yeah, that's, that's a they, lesser that's of two you, evils, though. That's like okay, this I, even worse thing isn't happening now. That's fine. That well, doesn't necessarily mean the bad things happening now is okay. But I'm saying that what I'm saying is is they've they've also taken away options to kind of police the game, right? That's just the way it happens in every game. In, within the game, there's ways to police the game. Guys in hockey, they police the game certain ways. Baseball. Now the only way that you can police the game is by hitting somebody. Why and can so you, it is what it is. Why can't you throw behind someone to send a message like, you disrespected oh, me, dude, here's another. That does, that does nothing. That doesn't do anything. If I'm hitting and the guy throws behind me, I can give two flips. I don't care. If he drills me, it's a different different story and if you and if you're a guy who just throws behind guys and you don't hit them you're gonna lose respect to your teammates dude i'm just it's just i hate to say it but it's the honest truth and so we all know when guys don't want to hit somebody and it makes a difference man it just is it is what it is and you could you could say that it's not right or whatever but inside that clubhouse and in between those lines the guys that have strapped it on and played if you have a pitcher that doesn't stick up for you or himself or the team He's not respected the same. 
and it, and again, this is from me speaking. People have different opinions, but you also knew those guys that didn't want to hit people and would miss them on purpose, or like. And I also we also knew the guys that would go out there and drill them in the butt, and it was and they were not worried about it, and it is what it is. And those guys are the guys that that people wanted on their team, but, and it made a difference within the clubhouse. Like nothing you're saying, like I'm not in a position to dispute what you're saying. And I don't think you're being dishonest anyway. Like this sound, like that sounds accurate to me, people feeling that way about it and that being the case. But I don't think that that means that we can't aspire to a reality where that's not the case. Like I'd like to see people not get thrown at in a general sense. I don't think that it's crazy to think that maybe someday in baseball, we'll have a time where people don't purposely throw at each other because it just seems I don't, it's like hockey, I don't think right? Ever be, I don't think there'll ever be a day that you won't see somebody get hit on purpose. Fighting is getting phased out of hockey. It's almost non-existent now compared to what but it they used still, to be even 10 years yeah, ago. They still, yeah, okay, so, so, is, so is hurting people on sliding the second base and so is absolutely obliterating the catcher. But they're still in hockey hits. They might not fight, but they're still hits that send messages. And you you know this too, and that is that is what it is. So there's not they're not gonna ever you're not gonna ever you might not have fights in hockey, but you're still not gonna ever have that that oh okay, I'm gonna go and smash this dude because he just went after he took a run at one of our players. It's still gonna happen. And in baseball, you will always the the somebody getting hit on purpose will never go away. Will absolutely never go away. It's one of those things where and I, it would be interesting to if you could get players polled on this and have them answer honestly. And there's a million reasons why that would be difficult. And but I'd be interested to know what the age distinction is there in terms of pitchers who are coming through right now who are Dude, starting the, the compared pitcher, to the pitchers. The pitcher, the, the pitcher who the pitcher who hit Tim Anderson was super young. Yeah, it's Keller is a Rule Five guy last year. So no, I mean that does, that's not all of it. I think that yeah. one thing I want to do in terms of circling back with the bat flip issue is like you said, it's always seen in, uh, in winter ball. It's also seen a ton in Korea. It's a huge part of the Korean baseball. I do think it's important to acknowledge that there's a cultural aspect of this in terms of where you're brought up and where you start playing baseball, where it gets a little bit uncomfortable. Cause let's say you grow up, uh, you know, Korea is not a huge source of players, but let's say you're a Korean baseball player and that's always what you did and the crowd goes wild for it and that's part of that game and then you do it in the major leagues and then someone is kind of saying policing the culture, saying, well, the way we grow up, the way we play baseball here is this. It seems a little bit unfair that guys who come from cultures that are a little bit different are potentially being penalized or made to tone down what feels natural to them. Oh, okay, but again, that happens everywhere. When you go to Japan, when American players go to Japan, there's certain things that they have to do that they do in Japan. I mean, I'm sorry, it is what it is. Like, it's not. It just happens. Like in the in their in games, if you're going to play in Japan and as American as an American player, there's certain things that they do very different than they do in the United States of America. And you're gonna and if you're going over there, that is what it is. These guys are. I mean, again, I'm not saying that they shouldn't do what makes them comfortable, but there are certain things that are you're supposed to be able to make adjustments to. In winter ball, that's fine; they do it in winter ball, but that's not going. It's not that's not how Major League Baseball is played. I mean, it just is what it is. So that's that's my biggest thing. Is again, I don't I don't have anything against it. I'm I'm all. For, I think it needs 
it's a it's a entertainment sport. I mean, you're an athlete, you're in the entertainment business. It has to be fun. But also understand if you do certain things, there are repercussions for it. And now do, are they is that right? Is that wrong? No, I don't know. I the the lines are so blurred now that you don't know. But if you if the pitcher gets pissed off that you did something and he drills you, then either fight or go to first base. And that's pretty much it. I mean, there's going to be a pitcher, there's going to be a pitcher that strikes a guy out and gets pissed off and does whatever he wants and he's going to make the matter, he's going to make the batter really upset. I mean, Stroman and the A's were going back and forth. I don't know if you realize that during the game. Stroman was looking in the dugout, kind of like, what? Like something happened. I forgot if it was Piscotti or him started talking smack to each other. And Stroman was looking into the dugout. And so it goes both ways, man. Pitchers are going to piss off hitters. Hitters are going to piss off pitchers. But it's part of being in competitive sport. I mean, in football, in basketball, in, in any competitive sport, that's part of the competitiveness and the battle, man. It is what it is. And if you're not ready for it, then don't play it. I'm with you in terms of that being the reality. The one difference for me is that a pitcher has a, has power to potentially, like you said, they don't mean to do it. It doesn't necessarily happen often, but a pitcher has power to hurt a batter, and a batter doesn't really have power to hurt a pitcher. Not that's true. What, he can, he can unless go Unless he runs up go and to, fights him. Okay, so then if that's the case, then then do it. But then it's you happened. have a bench-clearing brawl. Like the ch- baseball well, fights I like understand. that rarely happen in terms of people actually getting hurt. Okay, but again, there's the option. You can't say that there's not the op- that oh the only the hitter can get hit and the hitter has no option. No, he has an option. And listen, don't think that when Bryce Harper went to the mound and went after that pitcher, don't think that that didn't send a, a message to the other pitchers around the league. Like, all right, if you want to hit me, then you're gonna have to answer the bell. And people are much more hesitant to throw at him. I can guarantee you that. So it's both ways, dude. All right, we're going to we're going to leave it at that cuz we got some time to to let the would you rather breathe cuz this one is a little bit uh complicated and a little bit weird. It's it's quite weird. I also want to put on the record cuz this is this is a would you rather it's going to involve uh fighting animals. Obviously, you know, we're an animal friendly show. We're not in favor of hurting any animals. This is a very specific scenario. With that in mind, would you rather Every time you had to get in your car or any vehicle, you have to fight a chicken to the death, presumably. I guess you get a free chicken out of the end of it if you succeed. You should beat a chicken in a fight like every time. It's a nuisance, but you're going to win the fight. Or once a year, you have to fight an orangutan, which you would definitely lose, but you have a sword, so you'll probably win. So that's going to be a really gruesome and horrible event for you once a year. Or... Every time you get in your vehicle, you're going to have to have a real, you know, gory and annoying encounter with a chicken. I mean, goodness gracious, Nick. Where do you come <laughs> up with these things? What goes on in between your ears? Um, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'd have to go one-on-one with an orangutan because I have a sword. If I didn't have a sword, the dude would probably... This is one, once a year. This is once a year. It's not a one-time. Yeah. Yeah, or once a year. I mean, because I drive a lot. I mean, if I was a big public transportation guy, I would just go for the chicken because then I would avoid 
getting in a car, but I have to drive. And so you know how brutal it'd be every single time to drive to have to fight a chicken? So I think I'd go, I'd train all year for this one-on-one. <laughs> you have to, with even with a sword, like orangutans are serious. I Believe me, I know that's why. It's, it's not, I'd, I just said I'd have to train all year. I'm giving them the respect that they're, they're due, but... I mean, I just don't want to. I drive too much, dude. I'd I'd literally be fighting a chicken every day. But on the flip side, would you not end up with like a lot of free chicken? Yeah, but dude, I mean, it's just dumb. I don't want to have to fight a chicken every time I get in a car. It's just annoying. I I get where you're coming from. I know that you drive you drive a lot more than I do. I think that even though I mainly use public transit, I would include it for this purposes that it, if I got into an Uber or something, I'd have to fight a chicken. Uh, the reason I'm going to pick the chicken though, even probably if I was in your scenario is two, re- uh, two reasons actually. Number one, I think you'd become really desensitized to fighting a chicken. Like early on, it would be like, this is horrific. I'm a bad person. I'm killing this chicken and there's blood everywhere and I don't like it. Uh, but then eventually I think it would become so routine that you just wouldn't worry about it anymore. And then the second reason is that the orangutan fight, like, I think, you know, with a sword and like you said, we would both, we would be training all year for it. You'd survive, but father time is undefeated, right? So eventually, you know, you're winning that fight. You're 36, you're 37, you're still winning. You're 40, you're still winning. You're 45, you're in great shape. You're still winning. But then eventually, you know, your knees are going to give out a little bit. You know, your back has a problem. You, you know what I mean? I just think that it's going to shorten and your life. The orangutan, then the orangutan is just going to whoop my ass. Yeah, like, you, you know, you you uh, keep getting older, but the orangutan stays the same. So I think that's the real issue is that if you commit to this orangutan, you're only going to live till like 60 if you're lucky. You'd have to be a pretty good shape 60 year old to fight this well i hope off. i live well i hope i live the hell out of those 60 years before i get crushed by the orangutan maybe you would get injured one year like in the middle of the year you get a horrible knee injury and you would know like okay this is the year i die because there's no way i'm gonna be able to fight this thing and then you could have a really cool six months where you blow all your money and travel the world and stuff yeah not opposed to it <laughs> all right uh i think that was uh that's a pretty good way to end the show so we'll leave it there uh we appreciate you guys listening and can you continuing to subscribe and give reviews whether it's itunes or spotify or acast google play wherever it is that you like to listen to podcasts we appreciate you coming here and continuing to listen and we'll see you next week